0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. You know, we always hear about leadership. Leadership, 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 leadership. I think even on one of the schools, I think it's the one across from the Walmart, it says something about building leaders or something on the side of the building. And I always think, well, what about the followers? We've got to have followers. What if, what if our military was all generals and no privates? What a mess, right? So we've got to have people that follow. And followers are also anointed people. Without the followers, the leaders would never succeed. Because leaders can't do everything by themselves. They've got to have followers. They've got to have people that help them to succeed in whatever it is that, you know, that they're called to do. And then God calls followers to come along beside them so that they can help, you know, get the vision or whatever going. It's like it's like at High Desert Word Center. okay? so you're not all pastors, right? You're following, right? But without you following, there would be nothing here. There would be no children's department, there would be no nursery, there would be no youth, there would be no ushers, there would be no greeters, there would be no praise and worship team. There wouldn't be anything without you. So you see how valuable and how important it is for you to be a follower. Amen. Say, I'm important. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm really important. you got to have an attitude with it. Go like this with your shirt. Say, I'm really important. Okay, you got to get that ingrained in your head, okay? <laughs> you know, like there's no shame in being a follower. Hallelujah. No shame at all in being a follower. Um, when I say follower, I'm not saying a group of people who sit around doing nothing. Uh, who say, oh, yes, I'm a follower in Christ, but nobody knows it. There's no evidence to prove it, and you're just doing mouth service. You know, there's an old saying that was, you know, kicked around during the 70s where you, if you were convicted of being a Christian, is there enough evidence, you know, to convict, if you are accused of being a Christian, is there enough evidence to, to, uh, you know, arrest you or whatever? Isn't that a wonderful thought? So you can sit there and you can examine yourself and say, hmm, if I were arrested for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to even prove that I'm a Christian? Amen. It's like saying, I'm a member of High Desert Word Center, but nobody ever sees you. There's no evidence in the giving records. Your children aren't on the children's church registration, and you aren't around enough to even serve. So, see, you got to step up to the plate to even be a follower. You understand what I'm saying? you got to step up a little bit to do that. Let's look at Jesus As an example to us, Jesus had a staff of 12, right? His staff of 12 men were followers. Right. They followed Jesus. Were they all educated and refined? No, not one bit. Um, Only Luke was a physician. You could consider him. He was probably, you know, educated and and somewhat refined. But the rest of them weren't Peter and a bunch of the other ones were fishermen Matthew was a tax collector and everybody hated him because he collected everybody's taxes and cheated on them. And so he wasn't really popular. But most of them were ignorant and unlearned men. You know, I like, like when it talks in the, in the word about, you know, he is the potter, I am the clay. You know, so he can take a lump of us, ignorant and unlearned folks, and throw us, you know, on a pot, bunch of clay and throw us on that wheel thing that goes around and around and he can make something really cool out of us but the thing of it is we've got to get on to the thing that goes around and around i don't know anything about that kind of art You, you know you've got to get on that little thing that goes around and around so that he can form you and make you and so he's not going to form you and make you unless he has your permission to form you and make you why because he's a gentleman and he just doesn't come barging in and pushing over and make you into something that you don't want to be or you're not even willing to let him make you into something, period. So you have to can think about those things. Um, I can't read the entire accounts to you tonight about all the, the 12 disciples because, I mean, the words full of it. You're just going to have to study them out for yourselves, what they did. Um, but the disciples watched Jesus. They observed him. They believed him. Peter denied him. And Judas betrayed him. All but Judas became great leaders. They didn't start out as leaders, they started out as followers. When Jesus went to heaven, they received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I said they received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. What happens when you receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost? Power, boldness, all kinds of stuff. So they received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, this group of 11 now, and then Matthias replaced Judas, they became leaders instead of followers. They stepped up to the plate. When the Holy Ghost came on them, all of a sudden, they're preaching everywhere. They weren't preaching anywhere before. But when the Holy Ghost came on them, they were preaching the word of God everywhere. They were doing signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. They were bold and they didn't care if they lived or if they died. As long as they lived or they died for Jesus. See, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? You know, the word says that we're not our own. We're bought with a price. Jesus paid a price for us. And so when he paid that price for us, that means that we we just we need to owe everything back to him. We need to live our life for him. Amen. Um, other people we read about in the Bible are not lead are not leaders. They were followers, and they never we never do see an account of them becoming leaders. Mary and Martha, Lazarus, you know we don't read where they ever became great leaders. They were followers. They served. They did things, you know, stuff like that. And I just want to give you a little side note here. We're going to switch, switch screens over here. How many of you heard the scripture, Jesus wept? How many of you heard people say, oh, he loved Lazarus so much he cried because he died. Have you heard that? How many of you believe that? That's not right. You know why Jesus wept? Go back and read it. Jesus wept because of the unbelief of the people. Jesus already knew that Lazarus was dead, right? He already knew that. And he waited three more days. And so when he got to the tomb, he wasn't, you know, they were moaning and groaning and carrying on. Oh, why did you let him die? Why did you do this? Why did you do that? And Jesus wept, not because Lazarus was dead, because Jesus knew Lazarus wasn't going to stay dead. He was going to raise him to life again. He was crying Because of their unbelief. Is he crying today because of our unbelief? I don't want Jesus to cry because of my unbelief. Amen. I want to be a believer. I want to get all the faith I can into me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. I want to get so much word into me that whatever situation in my life arises or even in being responsible for you guys, your life arises that I'm able to. Get the word to you and get some faith to you so that Jesus doesn't have to weep over us because of our lack of faith. Amen. That was for free. Hallelujah. I want to give you another example of some followers. Look in Acts chapter six. Beginning in verse one. I'm in the new King James. It says now in those days, you know, Jesus was already uh uh Crucified, dead, rose from the rose from the dead, you know, seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. So um, six one says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, you know why the number of the disciples was multiplying? Because the twelve disciples got baptized in the Holy Ghost and they started preaching, right? And a bunch of other people got born again. A bunch of other people got saved, plus other disciples that he had. They weren't just twelve. You know, they, you know, they just go on and on. You, you and I should be disciples of Jesus Christ, right? Amen. So, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution of food. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, "It is not desirable." That we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. So the twelve disciples are saying that, you know, we've got other things that we need to be doing besides you know distributing food to the poor that we're we're ordained and called to do. There were ministers of the gospel. Right? Amen. So they had to call some other people in. So then the, the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said again, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables because it's job. it was the job of the twelve disciples. It's the job of your pastors to spend a lot of time in the word and in prayer. It's not our job to clean the toilets or to clean the carpet or to do some other stuff. That doesn't mean that we we're too good for that. We did that before we were pastors. Amen. Because if we start doing stuff like that, then it takes us away from being with, this, with the Holy Ghost. It takes us away from being in the word of God. It takes us away from praying for you. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have your pastors in the word or would you rather have them over here cleaning the toilets? I mean, you know, so, you know, smart pastors, we've been to some churches. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen. We went to a wedding one time in another church. Pastor performed the wedding, but it was in another church. And the pastor of that church, I felt so sorry for him. He had hurt his ankle, so he was hobbling around. He did the sound. He did this. He did that. He did everything. And I thought to myself, where are your followers? Where's your Ministry of Helps team? Why are you doing this? That was so sad to me. Therefore, in verse three or nine, it says, no, three. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation He's looking for some followers. He's looking for some ministry that helps people. What's the qualification? They have to have a good reputation. Do you have a good reputation? If you used to have a bad reputation, you can get a good reputation. Amen? Amen? God changes all things. So they wanted seven people, men, says men, of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. But they said, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So some of the followers there were appointed to help. But it wasn't just any old follower. It wasn't the guy who said there wasn't enough evidence to convict him for being a Christian. It wasn't those guys. No, it was the guys who had good reputations. The guys, that everybody knew they were believers. They walked it, they talked it, they breathed it, they lived it. They weren't one day in the house of God one way. If you saw them at the store, they were another way. You know, it's a terrible thing being double, a double having a double personality. You know what I'm saying? You need to be the same all the time. That's what's so cool about being a believer. You don't have to put on any acts. Right? You're just the same all the time. You're just a believer all the time. You know, I feel sorry for people. This is another sidebar. I feel sorry for people that lie because they get to the point where they don't know what lie they told last time. You know what I mean? Kind of like some politicians. You know what I'm saying? They don't know what lie they told. And so they they, so they try to tell another lie to fix that lie. But we don't have to be that way. We just have to be smooth and steady, even keeled. Right. Right. Just tell the truth all the time. That's all you have to do. Just be the same. That's what's so cool about being a believer. You don't have to put on airs. You're just you. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. I'm going to turn this page. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip from Procurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenius and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. You see us doing that around here sometimes. And the word of God, because they stepped up to the plate, the word of God spread. Because it freed up the pastors more. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And wouldn't it be so cool if the number of the disciples in Barstow multiplied greatly? Amen. I always think we're not doing enough. We're not doing enough to win Barstow. We're not doing enough to win a lost and dying world to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not doing enough. A lot of times I think that the problems in the, in the nation is because of us church folks. Because we forget where we came from. We forget the gutter that God took us out of. Right? We have got to be bold. Like, like these guys were, you know. We've got to be bold like they were. Are you bold when you go to the store? Are you bold at work, Ileah? I know you are. (laughs) I know you are. I know Des is bold at work. I know you're bold. I know you're always telling people about Jesus. We've got to be, you know, praying. We've got to be spreading the word. We've got to do all kinds of things to get people born again. Because these are the last days. And the name of God's holy game is to win a lost and dying world for him. Right? That's what we've got to do. We've got to live life God's way. Amen. Okay, You know, great things are accomplished by uncommon people. And I'm going to give you an example. I wrote this this morning when I was at home. Well, actually, I started yesterday and I was writing it this morning at home. And then the Holy Ghost just started reminding me about pastor, you know, pastor samples And I thought about uncommon people. And it's a cool thing he's not here tonight, so I can talk about him all I want to, right? (laughs) God loves to take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. You and I were foolish things of the world. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought? I, I keep looking at you. Who ever thought, Ilya, that you would be up here singing and worshiping to the Lord? Did you ever think that? Would you ever thought it? No. But see, God thought it. Amen. God thought it. Um, Who would believe that God would ever use somebody like Bernie Samples? He didn't come from a family of wealth or education. His parents made him. Listen to this, parents. Pastor Samples' parents made him quit high school and made him go to work. How many of you want your kids to quit high school? I thought that was horrible when I found that out. Because my dad always told me I want you to go to college so if anything ever happens to your husband you'll be able to support yourself. (laughs) That's my father told me. So we were always aimed to go into college, you know. But Pastor Sample's parents made him quit high school and get a job. So he worked full time at the car wash, but he wanted an education. So he went to night school with the adults, worked full time during the day, went to night school with the adults at night, and he ended up graduating the same time as his his class anyway. I think that's pretty cool. An uncommon man. Pastor got saved when he was in high school, when he was a freshman in high school, and that lasted for about a year because of the, the pressure from his family. Um, his parents used to take his tithe money from him because they didn't think that he ought to take his, that money and give it to the church. You know, he's giving it to the Lord. So they took his tithe money. He lasted a year serving the Lord. He wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost. He went to a Baptist church. And because of the pressure from his family, his family <coughs> heritage is bootleggers. Murderers, a couple of murderers thrown in there, um, drunks, fighters. I remember one time, his parents owned a little motel down in southern Indiana, which used to be on the main path. You know, kind of like Main Street here. You know, used to be the main thing. Now it's not. So they owned a little motel that used to be on the main main road. And I remember one time we were over there and one of his brothers, he had a bunch of brothers, one of his brothers got drunk and he was in one of the units with some guy playing cards and the guy got mad and stabbed him. And I remember his brother almost died and I remember they had this chair and it was, it was just you know, what happens when you get stabbed, stuff comes out of your body. You know what I mean? Like B-L-O-O-D. I keep forgetting we have little people in here. B-L-O-O-D was all over that chair. And I remember he went to the hospital. And he wasn't expected to live. And Pastor and I went to see him in the hospital. And I was standing at the foot of his bed and I saw Jesus at the head of his bed. And I thought, Wow. And now, Pastor and I worked with that that brother for years and years and years and years and years. And finally, we just had to... You remember that day he came to the house and was drunk and severed an artery in our kitchen. Petrified our kids forever. Are are you still afraid of this guy? (laughs) I don't know if he is or not. But, you know, then we had to say, okay, you know, we can't do this anymore. We've got too many kids in our house. But, you know, now... He's doing good. Took like 48 some odd years, but he's doing good now. And that's a blessing. That's a real blessing. Um, Pastor surrendered his life to the Lord when he was about 28 years old. He came back to the Lord. Um, still, still. You know, he talks about this sometimes. Still. You know, his family ostracized him. And a lot of times we didn't really go around his, his family because they were still drinking. We didn't want our children around that. Our children didn't spend the night at their house or anything like that because it was too dangerous. Right, Kim? <laughs> so they didn't, they didn't spend the night over there and we didn't go down there much. If we went, it was because the Holy Ghost told us to go down there. If we went, we prayed the whole way. We said, "Lord, get people out of there that don't need to be there, and just have us to have time to be able to minister to his dad, and mom." Bottom line with his dad and mom is they both got saved um, before they went, before they passed. God saw in Bernie Samples a man of a sincere heart who fell in love with Jesus and surrendered his entire life to Him. You know, if, if, you, if you're around him very much, he calls himself an ignorant and unlearned truck driver. That's what he calls himself. Yeah, he's been to Bible school, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, he graduated from high school. But he calls himself an ignorant and unlearned truck driver. But God used him mightily to change the lives of people everywhere. especially all of us here with his simple yet profound teaching of the word of god and his belief that if jesus said it it must be true that is why so many people who have sat under his teaching who remained faithful to sit under this word and under his teaching who contracted cancers have been healed, and they're sitting in here tonight. Many of you are sitting in here. You're not dead. You're alive, including Pastor himself. Pastor Samples is a great man. You know, when we we get used to, you know, we get used to him being around, and you know, you get used to the pastoral staff being around. You get used to used to us. And we love you, man. We we love you so much. But you don't sometimes, like with Pastor, you don't realize what a great man he is. He's an extremely humble man. When Julius comes, you know, Julius Marar, missionary to India, he, he says, I can't believe how humble he is. Because Pastor doesn't toot his own horn. Right now in our lives... You know, Pastor and I are, basically we oversee the church. The Lord is sending us, to Pastor and I, our doorstep. He's sending us people who want to be ministers. A couple of Fridays ago, this couple from down the hill came and asked us to be on the board of this new work that they're starting. We've only met them once. But they, but they said when we were praying about our board, the Holy Ghost said the first one that he mentioned was Pastor, Pastor and I. So they wanted to come talk to us about their ministry. So we said, well, come for lunch, you know. So they came from way down the hill and they sat at our table for seven hours. And we just poured our hearts into them. And we forget stuff, you know. When you live in your life, you forget stuff. So we were sharing ministry stuff with them. They're recording us. They're writing notes. All kinds of stuff. Why? Because when you've been around for a while and when you've served God for so long, you've got something to say. You've got something to share. And new upcomers want to hear it. How do you do this? How did you get through this? What did you do for this? And what did you do for that? Um, you know, we've talked about this. We've alluded to this before. Back in the year 2000. When we were still in Indiana, the Lord ministered to, to the Holy Ghost ministered to Pastor for like three months. You've heard us talk about this. Every day he would get up, he would go to the front porch with his Bible and his journal, and the Holy Ghost would talk to him. This went on for three months. And what did he talk to him about? He talked to him about what always precedes a major move of God. And the Lord would ask him questions and he said, he would say things like, do you know your position in relevance relevance to the time? I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you know your position in relevance to the time? These are the end times. What's your position? And the Lord spoke to pastor. That was 20 years ago. It's 2020 now. In the spring time of this year, the Lord the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, I want you to make a book out of what the Lord spoke to Pastor in the year 2000. So I said, okay. So I went, you know, Pastor keeps a journal. You know, I do too, but he, he's better at it than I am. Every day, every year, forever. So I went up into the eaves of the attic and I found all of his journals from the year 2000. And I found all of his sermons from the year 2000. And I got them out and I started going over them and going over them and going over them and going over them. And, and I said, okay. So I sat down at my computer and I started typing. So we've got a book. It's called What Always Proceeds a Major Move of God. And Josh and Julia are working on it now. I did my part. I wrote that sucker and I rewrote it and rewrote it about 20 some odd times. And so it's, it's getting ready to go to the publisher. Josh had to put it on a template for me, and Julie's doing the cover for me. You know, sometimes, I was telling Desiree this yesterday, sometimes all of us feel like we're nobodies. And as I wrote this book, I thought, boy, I sure would like to have Dr. Barclay write the, the foreword to this book. And I thought, he's, he's not even going to like it. You know, that's what the devil tells you. He's not going to like this book. And you're going to be really embarrassed when he says to you, well, I don't think I want to do anything. I don't want to do that. And so I said, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to send this to Dr. Barclay. I asked him if he would, you know, we asked him, well, I had Pastor ask him if he would write a foreword to this book. You know, and he says, well, send me the book, blah, blah, blah. So Dr. Barclay has written the foreword in this book. And it it is amazing because what he said about Pastor, our pastor, he said, God Almighty could trust Bernie Samples with all the information that he gave him in the year 2000 to be able to keep it, to keep it safe, and to release it at the right time. And I thought, wow, that was so cool. And not only that, I thought, you all know Tony Cook. Tony Cook's written 20 some odd books. And I thought, well, I wonder if Tony would say something nice about the book, you know. And I'm thinking, man, he's written so many books and he's so smart and he's, you know. But I thought, OK, I'm going to do it anyway. So pastor asked Tony, you know, so he said, send me the book. So we sent him the book. And, and Tony wrote the most beautiful recommendation for this book. And I'm really excited about it. So it's not printed yet. It's not been to the publisher yet, but we want to get it to the publisher. But God has, God uses an ignorant and unlearned truck driver. God trusted Pastor Samples enough to visit him every day for three months. He, God took somebody, didn't go to Harvard, didn't go to Yale, didn't go to Princeton, didn't go to Southern Cal, didn't go to Indiana University, didn't do any of the above. Ignorant and unlearned truck driver. That's the same with all of you. God can use you. We've got to be willing to put down, when the devil puts us down, we've got to put him down, and we've got to rise above what he tells us Yes, Dr. Barclay did, did love the book. Yes, Tony Cook did love the book. But I had to fight the devil off and say, well, you know, even if they don't like it, I'm going to take the chance. you got to take the chance with God and step up to the plate and do stuff. So this whole story, this whole lesson tonight is about faith to be a Follower. I don't know if any of you in here are called to the five-fold ministry. I don't really think so. You know, we've got the pastoral staff here. But the rest of you are followers. You follow. Some of you may raise up to be leaders. I think about Leah over here. Little Leah. How long have you been here? Twelve years. So when Leah and her husband Lawrence came in twelve years ago, were you a, were you a mess? You were a mess. Okay, I'll I'll just confess, you were a mess. (laughs) Most all of you, when you came in here, you were a mess, okay? (laughs) But that's the neat thing about God. He takes the messes and he makes us unmessed. So Leah, little Leah, volunteered for Children's Church. Follower. Well, Leah is now director of Children's Church. She's a leader. She's a staff member. But she's still a follower. Do you get the picture? Same thing with Desiree. You and Jesse were homeless when you came to this place. You and your little children were homeless. Uneducated. Leah's licensed, I mean, uh. Desiree was nursery director. She was helped with Children's Church, blah, blah blah. Now she's now she's under she's head of a ministry of helps, a, a position that I handed over to her, and she's licensed and ordained with the church now. She she became a follower. God raised her up to a leader. Norma's not in here tonight. Little Norma, I just love Norma. Norma came in here as a needed Jesus bad, got Jesus good. Now she's uh, our nursery director. She's in the nursery tonight. You know, I could tell your stories over and over and over again because they're beautiful. God takes messes and he makes something beautiful out of our lives. He takes an ignorant and unlearned truck driver. And he raises up to pastor people to teach them the word of God, to 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 mentor young ministers so that they, too, can be raised up. You know? And then I think, too, okay, so faith to be a follower. You may never be a leader, but, man, you need to be a very good follower. Amen? You need to be a good follower. There's always something that you can do. Amen? There's always something that you can do.